Good morning. My name is Charles Sixera. I'm a pastoral intern here at Third Church. Uh, if you've been here with us, you know that just last week we started a preaching series on the Psalms. And Corey taught us that the Psalms are meant for reorienting, for reshaping, reforming the way that we go about responding to God. And so today I have the the privilege and the, the pleasure of going through Psalm 103 with you. Uh, but first, before we read it, uh, let me go to prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, open the eyes of our hearts to your scriptures today that we can see it clearly, uh, who you are and what you do, what you've done, what you will do. God, thank you for your word that we don't have to Search in vain for you, uh, that we can see you here. God, thank you. It's in your son's name that I pray. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it's gone. Its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his commandment and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. This is the word of the Lord. Now, for two years, uh, I've been hearing something um, 
And I, I don't take it negatively, uh, but I'm what you would call a Yankee. I've been hearing that and reminded of it often. Uh, now, I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. One of my favorite things about Boston, and I have a lot of them, but one of my favorites is the Boston Marathon. I love Marathon Day. Everybody does. Everybody gets the day off of work. They go to their tiny apartments. They hang out their tiny apartment windows, and they shout at complete strangers. It's great. Now, some of you might be marathoners here. I'm not. Okay? So running any marathon seems crazy to me. Uh, in fact, somebody gave me a cup of water just for preaching today. Um, <laughs> Now, what is particularly crazy about running the Boston Marathon is this. Some of you might know what this is. This is Heartbreak Hill. It's the sixth and final hill of the Boston Marathon. It's also the largest hill. And what's worst of all is it comes at the 21st mile. Right? So so it's infamous... Heartbreak Hill is for breaking the spirits of, of, of seasoned runners, some of whom have trained their entire lives to qualify for the prestigious Boston Marathon. And they start to become preoccupied with the cramps in their legs and how tired they are, the, the fact that they, they can't feel uh, any water on their tongue, they, they're thirsty, they feel sick, and they begin to look down at their feet And they only think about how hard it is to put one foot in front of the other, in front of the other. And they forget, what they forget is to look up and see how great it would be to be at the top of the hill. There's one key to motivating yourself up Heartbreak Hill in Boston. Looking up to the top of the hill. Runners keep their eyes fixated refusing to look down, fixated on the top of the hill, and they insist on running. Why? Because Heartbreak Hill, the top of it, is beautiful to a tired runner. And it motivates them through all their tiredness, through all their discouragement, through all their pain. Well, Psalm 103 provides a glimpse into the privacy of David's heart. We get to see all of his honesty, all of his vulnerability. This is David at the end of his life, on the 21st mile, you might say, too drained and discouraged, too spent and tired to worship how he should. And so he starts spurring himself on, reminding himself to look up to God. And when he finally does, he's filled with all sorts of unimaginable ways in which he should worship God as he ought. A lifetime of God's grace shown to him. So today we'll look at how, first, we forget. We forget, just like David, to look up. We forget to look up to see who God is and what he's done. And then we'll look at that God reminds, that God in his mercy lifts our eyes up, urges us, and reminds us of himself. But first, let's look at how we forget. 
Now, my wife, Elizabeth, uh, she kind of makes fun of me sometimes. Uh, that's a little too harsh, probably, but she definitely calls me out for a lot of things, uh, and I'm, I love her for that. Uh, one of the things I get called out for a lot is for forgetting what we are talking about. Uh, <laughs> Now, because of all the nervous laughter in the room, I know that I'm not alone, Uh, but she'll come home. What will happen? She'll come home. She'll tell me, tired from a day of work, she'll come and tell me something that has happened that day at work. And myself, forgetful, distracted, I, I might start to respond, then I stutter, and then I forget what we were talking about altogether. Uh, I'm like a goldfish. It's just not good. And so, uh, so if you've been there, you know this is a bad place to be. But I'm guilty of forgetting what we were talking about. Now, in David's case, he calls himself out for his own forgetfulness. As he begins worshiping, he realizes his heart just isn't in it. He starts talking to himself. David is struggling with his absent-hearted worship here. And what does he say when he finally uh, comes to worship? He starts, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. David tries talking to himself. Come on, soul. Pay attention, soul. Wake up. Don't you remember who God is. Why are you so unmoved, soul? Worship God. And so he continues. When he finally has his soul's attention, he continues commanding himself, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not. He commands himself. What has he forgotten? What is he prone to forgetting? He accuses himself of forgetting all the things that God has done for him. Think about this. A lifetime. Goliath. Philistines. Shepherding. Being a prisoner of war. Saul. Jonathan. Bathsheba. Nathan. Political and military coups. He's forgotten where God was in all of it. And so he commands himself, look up, soul. Don't forget who you are worshiping. Not now. Not after all of this. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And somehow, I don't think that David and I are the only ones who struggle like this. Especially not in worship. Is anyone else prone to forgetting what God has done for you, who he is? We've all been there at some point. We forget. Some difficult moment or day or year, something has distracted us so much that we become preoccupied with all the things that jockey for our attention, the the next test that we might have, the breakup, the sickness, the doctor's appointment, the grieving, the shattered dreams, the next deadline at work, our failures, our shame, the insult, 
We become preoccupied with all the things that take our eyes away from the Lord when he's here. In all of his glory, he is here this morning, but yet we are prone to being forgetful. And what would be easy for me to tell you this morning is just to flick a switch, right? Just to flick a switch, go to read your Bible, have your quiet time, and start praising God like a good Christian should. But it's, it's not that easy, is it? It's never that easy, right? I, I know it's not. Personally, I've struggled with depression a lot of my life. I've had a lot of nights in particular where I have struggled to lift my eyes up to God and, and I can't sing to him, I can't even try It's just not there. I know that it isn't part of my nature, it isn't part of our nature to just choose to look up to God. With all the difficulties we're facing, when life gets hard, we tend to stare down. We try to, to grind out another day to try to just focus on putting one foot in front of the other, doing whatever we need to to get by. We tend to stare down. And that's the bigger problem, right? We not only forget God and who he is, but worse, we can't remember on our own. Our memories are broken by the fall. I love what Charles Spurgeon says about memory here. Memory is very treacherous about the best things. By a strange perversity engendered by the fall, it treasures up the refuse of the past and permits priceless treasures to lie neglected. How should we respond then? How can we respond if we can't even remember on our own? We need God to remind us. It is only through the gracious working and movement of the Spirit that he would lift our eyes up and remind us of who God is. And we can then begin being spurred on to command ourselves like David. Come on, soul. Bless the Lord. Psalm 111 goes with this. It says God has caused his own wonders to be remembered. God knew that we were going to forget him. I love that part. He knew that I was prone to being forgetful. And so he built in a backup plan. He's caused his own wonders to be remembered. He reminds me constantly of all the things he has done. He wants to remind you. And so what is the rest of Psalm 103? Psalm 103, for the rest of the time, is David straining his neck Upward and looking to God and listing out 27 reasons why he ought to praise God as he should. Now, I thought about preaching all 27. I've decided to focus on uh, just two categories. Uh, So let's look at them. David is reminded that God is forgiving and that God is faithful. First, God is forgiving. David preaches to himself the good news that God is forgiving. 
Look at verses 3 through 4. Speaking of God here, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. David, immediately when he turns to this conversation with his soul, he identifies the God he's supposed to be looking up at as the one who has forgiven all of his iniquity. Now, iniquity, I don't know about the rest of you, iniquity seems kind of dusty to me. I don't, I don't really prefer that word. I, I, don't, I didn't know what it meant, really. And so, looking it up, the Oxford Dictionary describes it as an immoral and grossly unfair behavior. It's sin. David is praising the God who he remembers has forgiven all of his sin in all the specificity of the things he has done or all the specificity of the things he has left undone. Every degree in which David has worked evil into this world, every sin forgiven. Now, how, you might be thinking, how could David, a man after God's own heart, right, kind of biblical hero here, how could he forget a fundamental truth like God's forgiveness? Well, do you remember David? Seriously. Uh, Do you remember David? He was the guy who slept with another guy's wife and had him killed just to cover up the scandal. And that's when he writes Psalm 51. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions. My sin is always before me. Now fast forward. This is David at the end of his life. David is distracted by his guilt, his sins, his shame. He commands himself in that moment to look up and to see that God is forgiving. So he preaches to himself, Bless the Lord, O my soul, who has forgiven all of my iniquities. But what about you, Third Church? Can you, can you sing that today? Can you remember that today? Do you remember it? Have you forgotten it? Do you remember that God looks at each of your sins, looking back at a lifetime even, of all the the little things that you've done or left undone, the horrible, shame-provoking things that we all tend tend to burden ourselves with? Do you remember that he's forgiven you, that he chooses to forgive you? Your answer might be, yes, I'm sure of it. That's why I'm here today. And for you, I would say, thanks be to God. Thank you for being here. Thank you for leading us in worship. But if you're like me or like David seems to be here in the psalm, you might have a hard time remembering this, calling it to the forefront of your mind. You might forget it, especially maybe even this morning. At times where you feel broken down by your sin, times of discouragement and shame, embarrassment. You have a hard time in those times looking up to God. And if you're like me, I want to say to you, brothers and sisters, look up. Look up from all your brokenness. 
hear from God that in Christ, forgiveness for all the specific things you have done is available today in Christ. Today, June 25th, available to you. Let's look at 8 and 10. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. How then, how does this work? How did God deal with our sin? Who did he repay for our iniquities? Jesus. It's not just a Sunday school answer. God's love has been shown to us when he put his own son in our place on the cross. Paul tells a young church in Rome that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for you. He died for me. Have you forgotten this? Do you trust it? Do you not trust it? Are you worried that it doesn't apply to you, that you're the only one somehow in this room that it doesn't apply to? Yeah, sure, but you don't really know all the sins that I've committed, you might be thinking. Well, you're right, I don't. What I do know is this, God is able, he has proven that he's able to forgive you. More importantly, he desires to forgive you. David immediately, when he goes into this psalm, he immediately recognizes that God is the one who has forgiven all the things that he has done over a lifetime. Will you ask God to be the same for you today? Serious. Ask God, even now, in the Spirit, to give you a heart which is reminded of who God is that he is forgiven, forgiving. David's first reminder is that God is forgiving. David's second reminder is that God is faithful, that God would continue to forgive him. I have two boys. Uh, AJ just turned four on Monday. Isaac is about to turn two next week. Uh, And for some of you, uh, if you've ever had dinner with a four-year-old and a two-year-old, you know that sometimes I can see some of you start to perk up. Sometimes it can be a little interesting, right? A little hairy. Uh, so if you go to have dinner with a four-year-old and a two-year-old, it can be like chaos. And so Seth is here. He knows uh, it can be loud. It can be disruptive. And one week about, or one night about two weeks ago, I looked over at AJ in the midst of all this chaos, and AJ just had not even put a fork to any of his food after about sitting there for 20 minutes. And so I said, AJ, please, come on, please, can you eat your food? Five minutes goes by. Now, five minutes, in the way that I just said it, sounds quick. Five minutes having dinner with a four-year-old and a two-year-old is a lifetime. So I look five minutes later, and he still has not touched his food, and I say, AJ, please, come on, AJ. I've told you, I've asked you, please eat your food. And he looked up at me, 
put his fork down, and I could tell that he was about to cry. And he said, Dada, are you still loving me? No matter how frustrated I was in that moment, all I wanted to do was tell him, yes, AJ, I am still loving you. So I took him into my arms at the dinner table and I told him, of course, AJ, of course I'm still loving you. Nothing will change that. I couldn't care less about the dinner at that point. I saw how hurt and how fragile he was and all of my frustration went away. I wanted to keep reassuring him that I was still loving him. It was my way of telling him, AJ, I'm going to be faithful to you. David, after reflecting on a lifetime of sin, looks up to God, not as a little boy like AJ, but as an old man, tired, late in life. And you see, AJ needed to remember that I had not exhausted my love, that he had not exhausted all my forgiveness. David needed to be reminded that he hadn't exhausted God's forgiveness. Look at 13 and 14. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. David sees that God is still loving him despite his frame. He knows David. He knows all of his struggles, all of his weaknesses. He knows him through and through, and he wasn't going anywhere. Do you know, do you remember that God is faithful to you? How does God respond to you this morning? after forgiving a lifetime of sin. If you're like David and I, you might think at times that you've completely emptied God's tank of mercy. You might feel like the last sin that you committed had been the straw that broke the camel's back. You might battle with addictions or struggle with resentment and bitterness. If you're here like me, you might find it hard to imagine God still being faithful, still forgiving, still loving you. You might think, as I do from time to time, God was forgiving, but does he, how could he continue to forgive someone like me? And it's at this exact moment that we must Preach to ourselves. Forget not, soul. Forget not. The good news is not about me being faithful to him. The good news is that God is being faithful to me. He is still loving me, still forgiving me. Bless the Lord, O my soul. God is faithful. Are you having trouble still? So what you you might be thinking is, okay, I hear you, God is faithful, God is forgiving, but to what extent? You really don't know me, preacher. You don't know the extent to which I have left things undone or committed things in my life. You don't know my sins. You don't know the extent to which I would need to be forgiven. 
like David looking back at a lifetime full of regrets and mistakes. If you're in that place and you are considering the height and depth of all the things that you've done and you can't see the truth of who God is, look at 11 and 12. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. God reminded David, and he is trying desperately to remind you and I today that he is faithful. It goes, his, his faithfulness, his forgiveness extends farther than our unfaithfulness extends. Look up from all of your distractions, third church. Your sins, your shame, your regrets, your bitterness, your hurts. He's here. He's forgiving. He's faithful. This morning. David started the psalm by quietly stirring himself to speak. And he ends the psalm by screaming up at the skies. This is my favorite part of the psalm. It's kind of, I think, a little bit funny if you think about it. Uh, So this is what he says, 20 through 22. Bless the Lord, O you his angels. Bless the Lord, all his hosts. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Why do I think this is funny? I have never spoken to angels. This is why I think this is funny. Uh, I've never spoken to heavenly hosts. I am a fan. I grew up in the 90s. I'm a fan of angels in the outfield, but I've never spoken to an angel. Um, so here's David, an old man at this point, shouting at everything he can think of, everything he can see around him, and saying, angels, come on, preach to me. Praise God with me. Maybe if you praise God, then I can find it a little bit easier to praise God myself. Maybe you, rocks, chairs, trees, clouds, maybe if you praised God, maybe if you started singing stars, then I would praise God as I should. Now, if angels needed David to remind them, can we admit at this point that maybe we need a little help ourselves? How will we remember today that God is forgiving and faithful? We have to commit these things to memory, to the best of our ability. I want to suggest that we all do two things. First, say it aloud. Commit it, like David, to memory by saying these things aloud. Say it to another person. Most of you drove here with another person or have a phone in which you can contact another person. When you leave here, I challenge you, tell that other person one one example of how God has been forgiving, one example of how God has been faithful. Share with them. Commit it to memory by hearing your own voice repeat it. I dare you. I know it will be awkward. I know it will seem forced. Look up to God. What should keep you from saying it? Second, you can commit these things to memory by continuing to look up to God. David ends Psalm 103 in the same way that he began. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul. He's reminding himself over and over and over. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And you can do that too. You can go about that by by reading the Psalms every day. If you're looking for who God is, look to the Psalms. I was looking up uh, this phrase that's mentioned in Psalm 103, steadfast love. It's mentioned 129 times in the Psalms, far and above anywhere else in Scripture. If you're looking for who God is, look to the Psalms. Out in the courtyard, we're selling copies of books with just the Psalms in them for you to take with you. You have a reading plan in your bulletin, and it's included in here. Look to the Psalms. They are rich with the reminders that we need. Psalm 103 began with a tired David stuck in his forgetfulness. And just like David, we forget who God is and what he has done. And as we see in Psalm 103, God is merciful to lift our eyes up and to remind us that he is forgiving and faithful. And now we have the opportunity to commit these truths to memory as we call ourselves and one another to bless the Lord as we should. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are good. You are good and great, and I fall short of recognizing that a lot of the time. God, help me, help us to see you clearly, to lift our eyes up to you beyond all of our distractions today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for never giving up on us. Thank you for being forgiving and faithful. It's in your son's name that I pray. Amen.